Hi, I'm Isabel. I'm your host for the ESG Quick Takes podcast, created together with my colleague Min Lo. In this podcast, we touch upon specific issues around finance, business, and sustainability. Investing with an ESG framework is now the fastest growing segment of the asset management industry. Yet in recent months, the very concept of ESG is challenged from many sides, and the criticism is not just coming from those that have doubts about the merits of sustainable investing or whether ESG data is valuable. In fact, the question is more about the applicability of ESG as a label. What makes an ESG ETF sustainable? And what should an ESG label stand for? ESG can stand for a wide range of investment strategies, everything from negative screening by removing fossil fuel companies to positive screening by keeping only low carbon companies to actually any kind of strategy that promises to bring about some positive social or environmental or governance change. So what will ESG investing be about going forward? I'm delighted to have Mark Zurg with me. He is teaching capital markets and investment equity derivatives and equity market and ESG investing at Columbia Business School and Cornell University. And before that, he worked at Goldman Sachs for 18 years where he started the Equity Derivative Research Group. Thank you so much for joining, Mark. Uh, Thank you for having me. So let's start with the beginning, your affinity with ESG. Uh, You are a pioneer in the derivative space, having been part of the early days of derivatives and, and seeing it rise basically from the beginning. What made you look at ESG years ago and um, how does the kind of innovation and rise of derivatives link to the popularization of ESG? Do you see any analogies or, or key differences? I actually do see analogies. Um, I looked into ESG because uh, it, it drew on my background in, in, in understanding risk and understanding portfolio selection, portfolio creation uh, under the context of, of constraints, um, of kind of potential inefficiencies in efficient markets. So all the areas that I had both a professional and academic interest in kind of come together a little bit in in ESG. And uh, where I see similarities to derivatives is that when I started in derivatives, at that time, it it was virtually impossible, even as the future showed, to predict where the market would head. But you had a sense that the products were there. Were, were there for good, that it wasn't a fad, that it was going to be part of the investment process, but how um, it, it would just be impossible to predict because it was too new and everyone was really trying to find their way. Uh, I have a, feel, a similar feeling about uh, ESG investing. Um, I do believe there are uh, a meaningful group of investors who uh, want to see their capital used for non-financial, in some cases, non-financial purposes, or or more, most broadly, to improve society as well as provide financial re- returns. Uh, and I, I believe that that's a, an ongoing desire of the investment public, that these products uh, attempt to satisfy. The question is, wh- how do they have to develop to be able to accomplish that objective? And I'm not sure they're at a stage where people would say that they've accomplished that right yet. It's early early, early innings at ESG investing, in my view. 
Mm. And maybe in that process of like the early beginnings and um, thinking about the future of ESG, um, ESG became mainstream, but now also has been marketed in relation to many, many products. Right. Um, and that created some of the backlash, right? That it was not always legitimate, an ESG label. What do you make of that backlash? And um, do you think it's a good thing? I think that uh, further investigation into the way people think about ESG investing is a very good thing. And in the long run, it'll make the product more sustainable. But where I see things is that there are, I think, two main criteria that the marketplace needs to sort out. And one of them is just so very basic and hard to do. So just because it's basic doesn't mean it's easy to do, which is what's a good ESG company and what's a bad ESG company. And uh, as probably people who follow this are already aware that uh, across different ESG rating agencies, the views on, on the same company, and we're talking about large companies, we're not talking about unknown companies, where one rating agency would rate it very high and another rating agency would rate the same company very low. Uh, and there have been multiple academics who've put infinitely more time into this than I have, um, who can explain why, and it gets to the granularity of the data and, and some of the assumptions made uh, in filling in the data. But at this point, where I think probably the biggest issue is that, which is uh, being confident in terms of if you're investing in a certain fund, how is the fund classifying the companies and um, how are they measuring whether the companies are fulfilling that the investor's ESG wishes? Um, and then the second thing um, is a little bit of um, acceptance in the marketplace as to whether uh, ESG is a return enhancement strategy, is a strategy designed to, uh, again, to provide non-financial benefits to the investor or both. And, and I think that the marketplace, and I believe, this is just my humble opinion, that the marketplace is kind of, has a little bit of wishful thinking on this and they want to believe it's both. Um, I'd say financial theory would say that when you limit the number, the types of securities an investor can hold, you really can't result in a better portfolio, uh, but you can potentially result in a suboptimal one. So I, I think the marketplace has to uh, has to kind of come to come together on that. There, there are also some uh, regulatory impediments with. Um, advertising the fact that your portfolio is taking on potentially added risk. Um, and in terms of just the empirical studies of performance, uh, all of this is all so new. It's really hard to get accurate data to conclude that um, an ESG investment strategy is better or worse for performance, just based on pure empirical data. I think that's really hard to do. Uh, uh, people have quoted that the majority of the studies say yes, uh, but now you're, you're reading almost different views given what's happened in the world uh, this year. So I, I think that the marketplace has got to um, 
kind of better understand where it stands on those two issues, but it doesn't dis, it doesn't take away the merits of of considerate of considering these factors by any means. I, I'd also make one one more point, which is that I think more and more security analysts are naturally incorporating ESG factors uh, into their uh, research on stocks because they affect earnings because uh, they're real risks. Uh, it could, uh, if they have a bad social policy, could uh, affect their ability to hire good workers. If they have bad ev- environmental policies, that could create a, a cleanup. It could create regulatory action. So e- you don't even have to call it an ESG fund to recognize that the way you analyze a company is incorporating material risks. Uh, and I think more and more um, ESG has kind of brought to light what those risks are. And I think that's very healthy uh, for investors. So if I understand you correctly, you're also pointing to some extent at the subjectivity of ESG, how it can be interpreted by different rating agency differently, and that there is not always a relationship between between those different ratings and the markets trying to kind of figure out what exactly ESG means in terms of return or risk and return. Right. And in many cases, the manager is is basically overriding the rating agency and making their own decisions, which which makes sense to me in light of the controversy. Right, right. And in that sense also, um, how do you see the role of sustainability frameworks or, or materiality frameworks like SASB? in kind of making some of the ESG um, logic more consistent across the board. Um, And I'm thinking also about the collection of data under those kind of frameworks. I mean, that's something that that our company is very closely involved with, trying to come up with good systems to collect information before even making the rating, so to say. Well, I think that that work is critical, actually. I I don't actually see this issue of um, in, in imperfect data getting any better without that, actually. Uh, and I think the marketplace will demand it. It's a question of, then it becomes a question of the administrative cost of complying with it and providing the data that you're asked to provide and how viable it is and whether it works for small com- companies and whether it works for companies in smaller markets. Uh, so the viability might be a question, but it just seems like that's that effort is is beginning to take hold more and more and uh, is very important. Right, right. And how do you see that? Do you think that, for example, the one directional materiality uh, that we currently most often see applied, right? Like what in ESG could affect the financial position of a company? To what extent do you think that in the future there will be more focus on the double materiality. So also, how does a company affect the world as it comes to ESG? It's a hard question. I'm not sure I, I have one an answer at the top of my head. Uh, I, I would say in terms of materiality, it's really a question of, of defining your, your, your metrics. Um, and I think the metrics will probably be more con company and uh, and industry specific now i i think that i think the the issue is about them you might be raising and if i'm mistaken please stop me um 
is potentially differentiating different ESG strategies mm -hmm. um, between what I would call integration, which, well, there's actually, I, I would look at them, look at strategies in three ways. One is in integration, which is incorporating ESG factors, uh, material risks and, uh, and opportunities into the process. And, and analyzing companies uh, partially through that lens, in addition to more traditional financial measures, uh, then I would look at funds which are impact oriented, which are um, uh, designed to have, I'd say, a dual objective, and if anything, potentially uh, are willing to to make some concessionary return in order to accomplish the impact objective. And then, how do you measure those? That I think is is a, that kind of gets to where you were talking about in terms of improving the world, and my, at least my interpretation of the way you said it. If I'm mistaken, please stop me. Uh, and, and then the third would be um, trying to use um, engagement and proxy voting to improve existing companies um, and, and to move, the, which, which in some people's measures might be the import, most important thing uh, an investor can do. So I think all of those are slightly different strategies within the ESG umbrella and, and, and maybe should be uh, measured a, as such. Right. Yeah, that's very interesting. And you touched upon this briefly before, but um, kind of the risk return um, sort of question in ESG, do you think, do you see uh, a lot of I would say changes to the to, to that research. Like as you have mentioned before, there was research pointing at the lack of correlation between financial returns. Uh, but we also have seen research that says that ESG does uh, have a positive effect on returns. Um, I'm wondering how you see ESG moving forward. Can it be primarily a risk um, indicator, or is it also something? in the future as more and more analysts uh, are using ESG almost as like a an, an always available information point that might sure. actually, you know, sure. lead to positive returns. Sure. So um, in my class, I cite two studies on performance, one from Morgan Stanley and the other from Morningstar. Uh, and both studies come to the same conclusion, which is that um, being attentive to ESG issues reduces downside risk, or, or said another way, kind of reduces the tail of the distribution. Uh, the way I would interpret that is that's kind of an almost an argument which says that capital markets aren't efficient, and these risks are, are an example of where perhaps uh, the marketplace isn't pricing security correctly. And I'm a little, and I'm a capital, I'm an efficient markets guy, and th that doesn't doesn't come easy for me to accept that. So I'm, I'm uh, uncertain about that conclusion, uh, but I can't refute it. I just, I just don't have any proof that it does, that's not true, but I would say I'll, I'll, I'll be agnostic on that at best. Uh, if you believe the market's efficient, on the other hand, then you would say the evaluation of those risks are already built into the price of the stock. Uh, in, in which case you're still back to the fact that there are certain stocks you're not in, that you can't be in your efficient frontier. And as a result, you're not picking your optimal portfolio. And, and just empirically, you could look at what happened, what's happened this year as an example of that. Right. Okay. So the, the jury is still out on that regard. In my opinion, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it may take 
many years until it's not out. Right. It takes a long time to be able to differentiate between luck and skill and market efficiency and empirically. Yeah. And also given the fact that the concept of ESG is changing, I can imagine like some font labels that are currently an ESG label could uh, change in the future. Um, so it's also hard to kind of um, understand. Right. right. The, well, the other, yeah. the other part of it that's tricky is if within something like a, a fund setting, like a mutual fund or an ETF, um, it, it's hard to represent the views of the investor because you're, you have a whole pool of investors with all kinds of differing um, objectives. So you're trying to, through your measurement of ESG, you're, you're trying to come up with a measure that would be acceptable to all, or at least would sound reasonable to all, um, versus uh, an individual portfolio mandate where you could really ask the investor what exactly they're trying to accomplish um, from an ESG perspective. Uh, so in a way, it makes it easier to, to manage separate accounts for a large institution than a fund that cuts across for all types of investors, unless you move into the impact space where it becomes more obvious with how you're kind of improving society with your with your investments. Right. Well, that's very insightful. Um, as a concluding question, very curious, um, how would you say does the future of ESG investing look? Are there specific metrics that will very much come to the focus and the forefront? Or is it specific strategies that will gain traction? How do you see the future for ESG? Yeah, I, I guess the way I, I see it is I, I think three three things have to have to hold. Uh, and I think one is that investors truly want their equity, let's just stay with equities for now, truly want their equity holdings to reflect their values. That they, they, they don't want it because it sounds good and they don't want it because it don't cost it doesn't cost them anything. They want it because it's really important to their sense of how to invest their money. If that dies, then this then ESG could go along with it. But I don't think so. I, I, I think that that feeling is generational and I do think it's going to sustain it, if anything, become more more prevalent. Second thing is you've got to have a, a way of coming up with a, a classification on a company that everyone agrees so that so there so that you can't hide behind the fact that different rating agencies give you different answers and throw your hands up and say, well, here we go. I don't know. I don't know what's a good company, so I don't even know how to do this. Uh, and then the third is is potentially um, trying to measure the uh, economic impact of, of of trying to reflect your values in your investment. Uh, and and I think once you get all three, then I think ESG and, and impact investing will will flourish. Actually, I think they could get even more impactful than they are now. Interesting. Well, that's uh, that's hopefully good news. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for for your time. And um, yeah, we uh, we very much look forward to um, to see uh, yeah future research on ESG coming out. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks so much, Mark. It was really great having you. This concludes this podcast episode, which is brought to you by ESG Book. Thanks for listening.